Bold Futures is led by and for women and people of color in New Mexico, and we work to build communities where people have what we need to make real decisions about our bodies and lives. For Bold Futures, culture shift means creating art, messages, and media to shape narratives that matter. From Bold Futures and part of the ongoing Religious Refusals Culture Shift collaboration, this is the second season of Heart of New Mexico, a limited series examining religious refusals and its impact on New Mexicans and their families. A religious refusal is when an individual or institution refuses to provide care or services to others based on their own religious beliefs. In most examples of religious refusals, we've seen a denial from an individual. But what if the denial comes from a faith leader in a house of worship? It's not uncommon and has happened to people in our own communities. In this episode, the conversation shifts to the faith leader perspective with Reverend Herrera from First Unitarian Church in Albuquerque. Reverend, what identities shape who you are and how you move through this world? I am a queer woman. I am white and I'm the mother of two young adults who identify as multiracial and who are multicultural and bilingual. I am someone who has experienced poverty and was a very young mother. And I went on to study at Harvard Divinity School. So I've moved through some pretty wide circles in this world and have come to understand people in some different ways. And how did you come to your faith and to be with the UU Church? I was raised Unitarian Universalist beginning from about age seven when my mother discovered the church while she was working on her high school diploma. She learned about it in a history class that touched on Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a Unitarian. And what about your faith called you to serve as a faith leader? I, I always had a deep sense of um, care for other people and a love for hearing other people's stories and uh, finding ways to companion them in their lives. And I was especially drawn in the beginning to um, the big moments in life, you know, where we might do rites of passage, moments of transition um, or change or growth. And in looking at uh, your congregation, um, could you expand on the mission statement for First Unitarian? Yes. So we are a religiously liberal congregation. We don't have a specific creed um, and we embrace a lot of diversity of belief. So actually about one third of the congregation identifies as atheists and about a third as believing in God and about a third, they're not sure somewhere in the middle, maybe. Um, and we think that's um, a beautiful mix. What brings us together is our covenant um, in which we agree to affirm and promote things like the inherent worth and dignity of every person, um, respect for the interdependent web of life of which we're all a part, um, equity and justice, um, those kinds of things. And I, I always feel that uh, I wish our mission statement included the word love because in effect, that's what we're doing, like um, creating a more loving and more just world together. That's our goal. So in this podcast series, Reverend Edetta, we are talking about religious refusals and its impact on New Mexicans. Is religious refusal something you've heard of before? It's not only something I've heard of, it's something I personally have experienced before. Um, and this was before I lived in New Mexico. Actually, it's when I was um, living back in Oregon, but I was a, a young mom. I had a 
three-year-old and an infant and experienced a birth control failure with my spouse at the time. Um, called my midwife for, for help. She prescribed me a morning after pill. I put those two babies in the car first thing in the morning, zipped right over to the pharmacy and was informed by the male pharmacist that he would not fill that prescription because he thought it was immoral. So <laughs> luckily I had gas and some time. I didn't have to rush to work. I didn't have a sick baby. Um, I was able to go down the street to a different pharmacy and get the prescription I needed to not become pregnant because I hadn't, that man's religious refusal could have led for me to be pregnant, like, and could have had my third baby in four years. So that would have been not what I wanted for my life. It would have completely derailed my life. So I have a strong personal feeling about this, um, that that was not his business to intervene in my healthcare provider's decision with me about how to take care of my health. Um, so yes. And I also have observed people I love who've experienced it, you know, as in the need of um, gender affirming healthcare or someone who identifies as trans or non-binary having to worry about whether they'll be turned away or given the cold shoulder for other kinds of healthcare as well. And as a faith leader, for someone to utilize their religious beliefs, their moral beliefs in this manner for healthcare, for um, services, employment, how does this make you feel? Uh, it's especially frustrating when it comes to institutions trying to wield um, the, the ability to do religious refusals. You know, an institution cannot practice a religion. An institution does not go to church. Um, and yet they're sort of claiming this mantle and they have such an outsized influence, you know, not just on customers or clients or patients who might visit, but also on their employees and all of their employees' family members who depend on whatever you know, insurance they might get, for example. We saw that with um, Hobby Lobby a while back. And so it, you know, that's huge. But also on the individual level, I think we can all agree that the concept of religious liberty is an important concept. But what's also really important is that when it comes to public square, that liberty has to end at the tip of your nose. Otherwise, it impinges on another person's religious liberty, um, possibly. You know, so for example, if a person works in a healthcare setting, such as a hospital or a pharmacy, they have a responsibility to provide healthcare that the people coming to that facility need, regardless of their personal beliefs about whether that person's care is, um, acceptable to them, you know, so full stop, you know, your religious liberty needs to end at the end of your nose. And in the example that you gave of, of this happening to yourself, some of the things that you brought up is that you had time in your day, you didn't have a sick child. If this happens to people in New Mexico, that might not be the case, not just with uh, their kid, but also in places where there are medical provider deserts, they may not have another alternative. Exactly. Yeah. You're not originally from New Mexico, but you've been here long enough to see, absorb, and be part of what New Mexico values are. Is religious refusals a New Mexican value? It doesn't look that way to me. You know, coming in with fresh eyes, I have observed that New Mexico has a huge uh, culture of family, of love, of community, of accepting each other, um, and and affirming each other's um lives and well-being. And, and so these religious refusals that can do so much harm, um, especially in cases like rural areas where someone might not have another place to go, that doesn't square with that at all. 
These denials, though, that we've talked about for, for now are kind of largely not within the worship setting. And what we have seen are increasing denials within the walls of, of houses of worship. So, for instance, denying for some Christians who do the communion, denying communion to parishioners who are divorced, or even more recently um, that we've seen spotlighted within the Catholic Church or in the Catholic faith, denying communion to public officials, legislators who have voted on or have opinionated a pro-choice voice to abortion care. What are your thoughts on that denial within houses of worship? Well, as a person who like a huge percentage of other New Mexicans has personal experience with both divorce and abortion, I'd like to invite those parishioners and legislators to come over to First Unitarian Church. But look, it is the right of those religious institutions to decide who to include in their rites of passage, for example. But the truth is that a lot of folks who have experienced those kinds of things end up leaving their churches, if not their whole faith. I mean, to, to carefully consider a moral issue um, and to follow your conscience faithfully and then to be treated as though God their self is rejecting you is a, an experience that really hurts people's trust in their religious institutions, as it should. And you had mentioned earlier about the inherent dignity of human beings as part of the mission statement of your congregation. And what do you think that this does to an individual who gets denied, whether it's communion or just the ability to worship within a congregation? What do you think it does to their inherent dignity? Yeah, I think it, it's really a denial of that, of their, their right of conscience, of their, um, their personal relationship with the divine, with God that guides them. Um, and it, it does a lot of harm. So you've you've let out an, an open invitation to other parishioners who may have felt this, um, at least in the Albuquerque area. What would you say to other faith leaders who have done this or are considering doing this? I would really encourage my fellow faith leaders to be humble, um, to trust that we don't always know everything and to acknowledge that um, religious organizations are human organizations and that humans, like even ordained humans, don't always get things right. Um, and so, you know, we've also in recent years, we've just seen so many cases of um, uh, abusive harm done by religious leaders to parishioners. And I think in this era, especially, it's especially clear and important to acknowledge that it's okay to disagree with a religious leader, you know, and, um, and to honor that sometimes having the courage to disagree with one and to trust a person's heart, a person's own heart, um, is a saving thing to do. And so I think uh, as religious leaders, sometimes we need to know when to express our, our take on things and to provide guidance and when to stand down and to keep people in community and to, to honor who they are. Is there anything else that you would like to add that we didn't cover or thoughts that have come up for you in the conversation? I just wanna remind anybody who's listening that, um, that every person is beloved. And if you have experienced a religious refusal, that is not a reflection on you or on your worth as a person and that you're not alone. Because um, Kat, you and I and lots of other people are right by their side, right? Absolutely. Thank you for that. Our thanks to Reverend Edetta from First Unitarian Church in Albuquerque for joining us in this conversation. 
Continue with the Bold Futures podcast by subscribing to Heart of New Mexico and the second season of our limited series about religious refusals on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on our website at boldfuturesnm.org backslash heart of New Mexico. And follow us on social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.